invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Continuing our look at uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, coming now I think to maybe the Roman numeral 4 in his outline here. Matthew chapter 6, and the words to which I would call your attention come to us from verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And so that you can get the the crux of the theme of what Jesus is going to talk about in this next chapter, this next section, we're going to read all the way through verse 18 this morning. This is God's Word. We read it now as an act of worship. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward." But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who, is, who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The grass withers. And the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you now to cause these words to become living and true in our own hearts. We ask that the Spirit, who is able to divide joint from marrow, will also drive these words into us that we might bring forth their fruit. We pray in Christ's name and for His glory. Amen. Dr. Howard Atwood Kelly was a noted uh, American obstetrician and gynecologist from the late 1900s 
late 1800s into the early 1900s. He was noted for his work uh, throughout the United States of America. On one particular day, uh, Dr. Kelly was walking in uh, kind of in the countryside and he became very thirsty. And so he stopped in at a local farmhouse and knocked on the door and a young girl came to the door and he said, young girl, could I have a drink of water? And the little girl uh, left the door and she came back with a glass of milk uh, for Dr. Kelly. Well, he never forgot that act of, of generosity. Many years later, this little girl sought Dr. Kelly for his medical services. And after everything was completed, she received the bill in the mail, and written on the bill were these words, paid in full with one glass of milk. Dr. Kelly was also noted for his Christian faith. He often prayed with and for patients before Uh, the work was to be done. And one of the things that we note from the generosity of this man is something that is true in general. Wherever Christianity has arisen in the world, it has been marked by generosity. So that even the Emperor Hadrian would note of the Christian culture, the Christian community, how much they would sacrifice for one another to provide for the needs of the people within their community. So if a man went to prison, uh, uh, the people would often sell their goods to provide for his family while he was incarcerated. If a man was hungry, the Christian folk would fast and they would set aside the money from those days that they had not eaten and give it to the man. This was made the Christian community distinct from other communities. Wherever Christianity has arisen, it has been marked by by generosity, by an openness of heart, an openness of hand. And this morning, Jesus teaches us about the principle of giving to the needy. You can picture the people as Jesus had gone up on the mountainside and had sat down and his disciples had come unto him and he's opened his mouth now and he begins to teach them about the principle of charity. The Christian principle of charity. And what we see here is that giving to those in need, giving to those who are in need is a work that God rewards. But God does not reward those who give to be seen by men. Very simple point, isn't it? If you give to the needy, God will reward you unless your motivation is to be seen by men. If that is your motivation, God will not reward you. Chapter 6 here shifts the focus from the pursuit of true righteousness to avoiding hypocrisy. Remember, uh, Jesus told the people who, who were standing around him that their, their righteousness had to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Period. And he ended the last section by saying, Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The standard, in other words, is not these religious men that you see around you. They're a bad standard. You, as an individual and as a group, 
you've got to look to the Father. He is your standard. You need to know Him. You need to know what He expects. You need to know how He conducts Himself and follow His pattern. Chapter 6 now shifts from focusing on the pursuit of true righteousness to avoiding hypocrisy. Previously, Jesus had contrasted what he taught with the Pharisees. Remember, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you, now he contrasts righteous deeds with what he called hypocrisy. We all know what hypocrisy is. It's a word that you're very familiar with. Jesus now begins to call out hypocrisy. In other words, there is a a form of religion that God takes no pleasure in. There is a form of religion that actually shuns the glory of God. There are practices of religion that God will not reward. And Jesus gives us three illustrations in these next few verses about what those sorts of practices of religion are. Almsgiving is the first one, giving to the needy. And then he will move to prayer. And lastly, he will deal with fasting. But the first thing that we notice in this passage of Scripture, our first point this morning from verses 1 through 4, is that righteous works are not done for human favor. Righteous works are not done for human favor. Notice what Jesus said there in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Here's a very simple principle. And and this first statement is is sort of the the thesis statement for everything that's going to follow. Righteous works are not done for human favor. God does not reward those kinds of works. So Jesus began by introducing a general principle that he will elaborate on. The motive, listen, the motivation behind good works distinguishes their reward. Did you pick up on that as we were reading along there? We could say it a different way, couldn't we? The heart attitude behind a good work distinguishes its reward. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Well, you could say, well, that's a fairly difficult thing to practice, isn't it? How do you go about doing righteous works that nobody sees? How how do you help somebody who's in need without him seeing you? But, But Jesus' point here is not whether they can see you or not. Notice what he says. In order to be seen by them. You see, there's the heart condition of it. Going into it with that hope, fingers crossed, that someone sees you do this thing. What Jesus, con- Jesus did not condemn practicing good works openly, did he? 
What Jesus condemned was practicing good works openly so that other people would see you. That's the motivating factor. This was one of his strongest condemnations of the Pharisees. Let me ask you to turn over to Matthew chapter 23. This whole chapter where Jesus is just politely and in the softest possible voice telling the Pharisees that they're going straight to hell. Matthew chapter 23. Read with me verses 5 through 7. This is the religion of the Pharisees. They do all their deeds. Do you see the purpose? To be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries, that is those boxes on between their eyebrows right here that they would wear, those, their phylacteries broad, they put the fringes on their coats long, and look at this, they love the place of honor at feasts, and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. You see, this is what it's all about. Is When they walk through the city street, they want people to say, there goes Joe. Man, that, that's a religious guy if I ever... If I ever saw one, if I, I want to follow somebody's coattails, if I want to catch on to somebody's coattails, that's it. <clears throat> the guy that I want to follow. In other words, their, their heart was not set on bringing glory to God. That was the furthest thing from their thoughts. And, and listen, get, get this in mind. These are the teachers of God's Word. And yet their whole focus is on bringing reverence to themselves. They wanted other men to notice them, to pat them on the back, to say, boy, you helped out the United Way this week. I saw that in the paper. That was amazing. Remember, though, that Jesus has already told you what the key to Christian practice is. That men may see your good works. Why? And, and what is the result? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is not forbidding you to go out, to give, to be generous with your money. But the motivation for the Christian is distinct. I want people to see my good works so that they will know the goodness of God who is in heaven. So you're not to hide your good works. You can't hide a lamp under a basket. But we do them to bring glory to God, not to ourselves. Jesus, Jesus goes on, look, here's the thing that you need to be aware of. If you do things this way, you are going to receive a reward, but not from your Father who is in heaven. Those who practice righteousness in this way are assured of one thing. God will not reward you. Here we should note two things. Jesus did not say that practicing uh, good works is a rewardless task, did he? He didn't say, look, 
for those Pharisees, they've got their cards, and when they get them punched nine times, that tenth time, they're going to get a glory hallelujah in the synagogue. You, you don't get that. This is not an issue of reward versus no reward. This is an issue of where will your reward come from? We refer to certain tasks as thankless. You think of our truck drivers today, those men who haul, who make long hauls for Walmart or for Amazon and bringing all those nice things to your door, all those things that you've got on your Christmas list. If you drive a truck for a living, you, you perform a vital service to our nation. But truck driving can be a thankless job, can it? How many people rise up in the morning and say, let's thank a truck driver today? Doing good works is not thankless. What Jesus said is that we should not pursue our reward from men. And he gives here an illustration from giving to help you understand that. So first thing that we have to note is that good works should not be done for the glory of men. The second thing we see here is that hypocrites give to receive that public reward. Hypocrites give to receive a public reward. We see this in verse 2. Thus, or therefore, if you like, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus first of these three illustrations comes from giving. The ESV here translates it uh, giving to the needy. It's, it's actually a single sort of technical word in the Greek that means giving to the needy. So it comes through very well in the ESV. Jesus is referring to your charitable giving. It's giving to the poor, which is mind you, distinct in Scripture from tithing. Uh, the deacons asked me to make that point. Giving to the poor, biblically, it's a technical term, giving to charity, and it is distinct from tithing. But the same principle regulates both of these. One of the things that you need to understand is this, that giving to the needy, almsgiving, as you might find it in other passages in other places, was considered a critical, a central uh, religious principle. It was a key work of righteousness. In fact, listen, some considered almsgiving superior to prayer and fasting. Perhaps this is the reason that Jesus refers to it here first in his illustrations. Notice we have almsgiving, prayer, and fasting in that order. And Jesus says, listen, some of you are hypocritical in your giving. The term hypocrite comes from the Greek stage. If you wanted to play act a character on the stage, you would put on a mask to hide your identity so that other people would envision you as someone that you were not. You are playing a character. 
And so you'd look on the stage, and it might be Brian, but I've got on somebody else's mask so that I look like that other person. Religious hypocrites have the world as their stage, and TV nowadays as their platform. They play the part of one who is concerned with pleasing God, don't they? In fact, however, their true concern is with boosting their ego. They want to be big in the eyes of men. You've probably noticed that there's one person who usually gets rich in prosperity churches, and that is the prosperity preacher. And Jesus' illustration, perhaps, he says they sound a trumpet in the synagogues, in the streets. You can picture that, can't you? You can see a man walking through the streets and just so that he can gin up the most attention right before he drops his check in the basket, they blow a trumpet. Many, there are many interpretations of this statement. Some say, well, this is purely an exaggeration. This is, Jesus is exaggerating the point. Nobody actually went through the streets and blew a trumpet. Maybe they didn't. Others will tell you that what's being depicted here is the shape of the contribution box. It was shaped like a trumpet, and you drop your check in and it funneled it down, kind of like the Ronald McDonald house thing we used to have in the Walmart. But one thing is certain. The trumpet played a vital role in the life of Israel's religion. One of the things that we know is that in the temple itself, the, the trumpet was sounded between 21 and 48 times every day. And if it was a big celebration, there were more trumpet blasts. At the end, at the beginning of the Sabbath day, they would blow the trumpet. This would signal to the people, stop working. It's the Sabbath day. Put everything aside. Worship the Lord. And then to end the Sabbath day, it was blown to signal Jewish festivals like uh, Rosh Hashanah, the, the beginning of the year, the Jewish New Year, or the Day of Atonement. They would blow the trumpet to sound these days. Well, guess what? Also accompanied many of those Jewish festivals. Almsgiving. One Writer notes, for instance, that it became a universal custom to rise early during those ten days, that is the days of uh, the Day of Atonement, to deliver in the synagogues prayers of supplication and ardor till the dawn of the day. So people would flock to the synagogue, blow the trumpet, worship begins. Is it too much to imagine that at the head of those lines... There you see the Pharisees, checks in hand, or mint, or cumin, or dill. When the, when the trumpets are blown, in they go to the synagogue with all the people around them, and there they are giving their money, waiting until the opportune moment. This is the picture of hypocritical giving. Whatever the situation is with regard to these trumpets, the illustration is clear. A hypocrite 
is one who play acts righteousness by giving to the poor in such a way that men might see and praise him. Here's the lesson. Don't be a hypocrite. The praise of men is the eternal reward of the hypocrite. And what an empty and meaningless reward that is. But God's children are not unconcerned with rewards, are they? It is not wrong to give and think about being rewarded. In fact, Jesus is, in a sense, commanding you. He's saying, Christian, you should be concerned with your reward. When you give, think about your reward. This last point, thirdly, God's children give to receive God's reward. God's children give to receive God's reward. We might think Jesus' counter-instruction is don't give to receive. That would be simple, right? We might think Jesus is saying don't give to receive. And in our most righteous tone, we might say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And there is truth in that. Christians give out of sincere concern for the well-being of others. When the early church gathered, they were thinking about helping that Christian community, serving that brother who had been sentenced to jail for continuing to preach the gospel in the face of, uh, of uh, the governing authority, providing for his family, providing for their welfare. But we are also to give to receive. It Listen, Jesus is telling you that it is right to give to receive. The question for you is, whose pleasure are you seeking? Whose attention do you want? Our eye, the eye of the child of God, is on receiving that reward from the Father. In total contrast to the hypocrite, the faithful giver does not let his left hand know what his right hand is doing. Unlike the hypocrite who is seeking, listen, thinking about the trumpet, seeking that moment of maximum attention, the faithful giver seeks virtual anonymity. He doesn't want favor with men. He wants favor with God. He knows that God sees in secret. I don't need any one of you to record my name on the books of the general ledger to get a reward from God. He sees in secret. The sincere child of God wants God's reward. And one of the things that we know is that the Christian church is still concerned with giving to the poor. The Christian church is still concerned with alms giving. We are still concerned with charitable giving. You, you cannot read through the New Testament and not come away being moved in some sense by 
uh, the commands to give. You remember the early church? Um, Those people who were ostracized from communities, sometimes cut off from uh, the means of economic success. That early church was provoked by the love of Christ, and so they had all things in common. They cared for one another. In fact, it was during this period of time that Christ gave us a whole office, a whole office whose work it is to gin up in the body of Christ a spirit of generosity. It is the office of deacon. God has given us deacons to stir us up, saying, give more, give more, and then to distribute those funds faithfully amongst those who have need. What you should note here is that Jesus is, listen, Jesus is not condemning you if someone sees you drop your check in the basket. If that's what you take away from this, you're developing a false sense of modesty. What Jesus is condemning, this is what you have to note well, what Jesus is condemning in this whole section is a hypocritical heart attitude. This is not about how you practice your works of righteousness, so much about what you think of them, whose favor you are pursuing. What Jesus is condemning is the hard attitude of the man who waits at the basket until someone enters the door and then slyly puts the check in to make sure that someone will see. True religion is about the attitude of the heart. If you are that man who craves the praise of other men, you don't have a practice problem. You have a heart problem. If you are a man who craves the praise of other men, you don't have a practice problem. You have a heart problem. The fire of hypocrisy is fanned by a heart under siege by sin. And what Jesus is instructing you to do here is not change the way that you give. What Jesus is instructing you to do is examine your heart. Why do you give? And you can tell the state of your heart by looking at what motivates you to do good. Giving to those in need is a good work that God rewards. But God does not reward those who give to be seen by men. Paul continually exhorted the church to give. And he reminded us, didn't he, that God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9-7. Why is this? Why can Christians give joyfully? Why could that early church fast for days to their own hurt, so to speak, to save up money to give to somebody else. 
How could that be joyful? Why can Christians give joyfully without hypocrisy? And it boils down to this simple principle. Because Christians are a new creation. Because our hearts understand all all of us are ultimately destitute. You remember when we were looking at Matthew 5, um, Jesus said, give to those who ask of you in verse 42 of chapter 5, give to the one who begs from you. I noted something for you there about that word begs. It occurs frequently in the scripture with reference to prayer. There is a sense in which every single one of us is a beggar. Every time we pray, we are going to the Lord asking Him to give to us. The Christian recognizes that all he has comes from the hand of a loving Father. We ask from Him and He provides. And do you know that He gives to you generously without rebuke? James chapter 1. question for you is, can you, looking to the generosity of your heavenly Father demonstrated to you in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, and seeking His reward, give without hypocrisy? Let's pray. Lord our God, we confess to you that as your people who are beset by that corrupt nature we've inherited from our father Adam, there's a sense in which we do all things with hypocrisy. We ask you to help us flee from that. Help us, Father, as your people, to set our hearts on your reward, to pursue your reward, to give and to give even more thinking about your reward, to budget for giving. Father, even at times, foregoing something we need to provide for the need of someone else. Lord, please help us with that. And help us to do this joyfully, not for the praise of men, but for your praise. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.